0: welcome everybody to another episode of talking cloud it is friday february 9th it is 14 degrees in a <laughs> suburb of toronto oh boy we yeah. in trouble yeah i have the window open um i don't have the fan turned on right now because the mic will pick it up too much and yeah. it, it makes too much background noise um so yeah it, that's insane it's I crazy. What's, I turned what's it supposed off to be to... tomorrow? You got your office fan on.
1: I turned it off for the the show, and I'm regretting yeah. it. now. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch me slowly undo the, uh, undo the hoodie here as we go because it's already warm in here.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be nine tomorrow, and then it will cool off a bit.
0: And then, like on the weekend, we're gonna get three feet of snow.
1: <laughs> no, it's still gonna be above zero <laughs> for yeah. like the next week. So wow, that's yeah. insane. You know
0: what's gonna happen, right? winter has to show up so winter will show up in (laughs) april yeah just when we think it's you know hey we made it um it's gonna be it's gonna be spring and summer soon and then you'll get all the snow in april or something crazy like that for sure yeah yeah all right uh let's see here where is my little change the view let's go here all right perfect so first up um an article that deals with the never-ending infrastructure as code wars uh, i i love these articles mm. i i can't help but read them um <laughs> i i i think whenever i read these i often think it's kind of like the pc versus mac debate or the ps5 oh, yeah. versus xbox debate it will just like it'll just never end right you, you're you're either you're going you're going to pick a, a tool and that's the best tool no matter what it's like
1: uh, yeah it's like javascript frameworks there's always another one coming out
0: <laughs> there's always Which another one, one. never <laughs> one ends right yeah uh, yeah so i think this is the same um, i won't go into the article in in, in too much detail but I, I do think it's it's interesting and and I'll, I'll, there's a good reason why when i stumbled across this i'm like let's include this is uh, an interesting announcement from aws this week uh, that we'll get to in a second but there, there are some interesting yeah. points that are made here uh, you know declarative language versus uh i always forget the other word i'll call it non-declarative <laughs> um, right yeah. in, is it declarative and interpreted i always forget i don't know again I, I think it's kind of just a debate that people like to have so they have something to debate about um but i, I think this is Pretty interesting. I I clearly fall in the CloudFormation camp, but that's just again because I've been writing CloudFormation so long that I I don't want to change just for the sake of changing. (laughs) Uh, It's a
1: good tool. I mean, it works, right?
0: Yeah, it does. I know people complain that it's slow and blah blah blah. Um, Okay, but it works. It does what you want it to do. It is declarative, so. It's not open to interpretation. Uh, If you say, I want an S3 bucket with this configuration, it will create an S3 bucket with that configuration. It'll do it slowly, but it'll do it.
1: Yeah, slower sometimes safer, right? Yeah. Depending on what you're doing.
0: What's what's the the tortoise and the hare, man? Don't always have to be the fastest. Right, and what was the thing that I thought of that that kind of struck me in this article? I meant to highlight it as I was getting ready for the call, and of course, based on our conversation earlier today, uh, I'm like, oh, I got forty things to do, so I kind of forget. Um, yeah. Oh geez, I won't be able to find it now. That's horrible. I I think in the end, you know, it AWS says this in their training a lot: pick the right tool for the job. Um, yeah. If you prefer Terraform, if you prefer something else, if you want to write scripts that do it all by making your own API calls, I think, or if you want to do CloudFormation like what we do, um, as long as it's codified and it's stored in a centralized repository that you can do reviews on and understand what's there and see the changes, does it really matter?
1: As long as you have a single source of truth for your... Infrastructure code, then that's great. That's great. That's the yeah. goal.
0: Yeah, that's the goal. And then that leads to, I think, a really interesting, interesting, exciting um, article from AWS, which oh, I'll yeah, show you the feature. news release for this. Uh, this this sort of uh, import everything into CloudFormation, uh, so yeah. that you know if you've got if you've if you've done the oh my god ClickOps, which again. Hey, if that's the way you want to do things, I, I'm, I don't know. Is there anything really, <laughs> is there anything really wrong with it in the end? I don't know. Um, I do a lot of click ops. I, I'm going to talk about uh, gen AI in a bit. And I built a whole gen AI assistant and you know, oh my God, I didn't do it as code. Uh, I did it through the console to figure out how the heck it works. So right. that stuff's going to happen. Right. And, and you know what, that jogged my memory somewhere in this article, there's a comment. Oh, maybe it's right here, right? Uh, uh, our curse as an industry is that 20% of us, blah, 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 are chasing an increasingly arcane whirl of abstractions while the other 80 are still trying to convince orgs to get consistent with the basics. Okay. So yeah. there's really no middle ground, right? And and this I think is interesting because how many times do we work with customers and we're like, well, where's the code for this? Or how did you build it? And they're like, uh, we did it in the console. And yeah, you, you can export it into CloudFormation. Which is,
1: that's awesome. Uh, that's right. You can just totally, you can bake an artifact of your entire environment, your entire production code. If you set it up how you like it with ClickOps, like yeah. you said, turn that into infrastructure as code and you can redeploy whenever, yeah. wherever you want, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So that is an excellent feature.
0: I haven't tried this. It, I'm going to say this a bunch of times. I don't know where the week mm. went. I, I kind of wanted to like create something really basic, even just a VPC or something like that, and yeah. point this at it just to see what it did, but I didn't get a chance. I, I'd be interested like, so to your point about, does it build templates? Cause like what we often mm. think about with this is I want to build a template that we can deploy across multiple environments, prod versus dev. Right. I want to build a template that can be deployed across multiple environments, multiple regions and multiple accounts. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to see like, is this thing gonna be smart enough to say, let's say you've got an EC2 instance and you're gonna run that through this. Does it take the AMI and turn it into a parameter or is it?
1: Right, how does it parameterize the values is gonna be the question. So that's, I'm kind of excited to play around with that too now. Um, Yeah, because if you can just, yeah, if it can, intelligently pick up what the parameters you need for your environment are, like region, for example, or uh, AMI-based things like, things like that. Um, that's awesome. VPC Ciders is one.
0: Yeah, that'd uh, be another good example, right?
1: If it just grabs an exact kind of grab of everything that's in the environment, doesn't parameterize anything, I mean, that's still useful if you need to spin everything up and set it down really quickly, yeah. or if you need to capture an environment after significant drift has occurred that's another use case but yeah I, i'm i'm curious now i want to try yeah <laughs> try that, it out
0: that's Not the first thing larger. that popped in my head i'm like i wonder what it does is it smart enough to do that like that the process of taking existing infrastructure and turning it into a cloud formation template i can imagine that's a pretty challenging um i don't know what the word is i'm looking for here uh, it's a probably a, a decent challenge to overcome in the first place yeah. right and then now before even trying it i'm like i wonder uh, it, er, i won't use it unless it parameterizes stuff <laughs> i'll probably still use it because i yeah. think it would be to your earlier comment it's just it's handy to get this stuff from the console into a template that you could then manage
1: yeah and yeah, yeah. you can modify the templates after the fact to parameterize it right like
0: that's sure can, can okay so I should know this, and I don't know why my brain is blank. So if I have, because I use the EC2 example, right? If yeah. I had a, 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 a uh, wow, an EC2 definition in my CloudFormation template, and in there hmm. I say AMI equals one two three, and then I'm like, yeah. geez, that's not the the best way to do that. I'm going to create a parameter section, and I'm going to put AMI equals, or AMI type is string, and it's one two three, and then put a ref in the other in in the actual Declaration for that instance, sure. Is that a change? Like, if I ran that through, what would it do? Would CloudFormation say, "Wait, you're changing the AMI. I have to launch a new instance." There's another thing we <laughs> could. There's another thing we could try.
1: Sorry, I'm just laughing at Kevin's comment. Um, yeah, I, I, oh. it's worth trying. I, I don't think there's actually any change that happens there. I think it's all in the template. So you would update the template, and then maybe it wouldn't pick up any resource changes would be my guess, but I haven't messed around with this at all yet.
0: There's a, well, there's another uh, uh, test case we could try just to see what it does. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. What what did Kevin say?
0: I didn't see. I wonder what it does. Smart enough to do that. Sounds like my boss describing. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That's good. Uh, I think this is really interesting. I'd like to see it kind of in this this blog article. If you scroll down, uh, the author will actually take you through the process of sort of doing it. Right. So here, Scan this resource. Um, I wonder if we're. I wonder if this article actually. Might answer the question. Might answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Stack name, review changes. So here's an imports. Yeah. It doesn't say config drift. I think it's definitely something we should run through. Maybe it's uh, a, yeah. maybe it's a, 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 like kind of a, a demo we could do one day or something like that. Set some stuff up and see what it Oh, does. for sure. That'd yeah. Be kind of fun. Yeah. Which I think then leads to let's find it where is it it's here somewhere I won't yeah. be able to find it now that I want it oh well <laughs> one of these tabs is saying the same thing because uh, it was there was the announcement from AWS yes. about this there's the corresponding blog article that went with it and then a, a reference here from another author about uh, sort of the same thing right so kind of kind of interesting yeah. stuff now I threw this in here today let me get this. And I know there's just going to be uh, a thousand of these. This is available in Canada West, uh, but yeah, this, this isn't is. really this <laughs> isn't really why I put this in here. This was more because of the IP address manager piece and the mm. importance of the of that tool now because we are getting charged for public IPv4. Actually, yeah, public IPv4, yeah. IPv4 addresses now, addresses. right? Yeah. So. Um, I just this sort of made me think of that uh, because what we're we're nine days into being charged for those IP addresses and yep. using this tool is an important part of understanding uh, what IPv4 addresses you have there that maybe you didn't realize were in your account that you're now incurring a small fee for but a fee but nonetheless picking that up yeah yep. yeah yeah. So I set this up in our account, and uh, I let it run. And so the first thing is, depending on your depending on your account structure, you've got a single account implementation, or you've got uh, an org implementation. And you can also enable this uh, trusted access for the entire org, and then delegate the administration of it. I kind of didn't do any uh, reading of manuals when I set this up. I just was like. Okay, I'll just click this, right? Oh, there you go. Click ops, the horrors. And, um, so I just went into the management account, turned it on and I was like, okay, I'll give it a little bit of time and nothing happened. And a day later I checked again and nothing happened. And so then I was thinking to myself, well, what'd you do wrong? I guess you should have read the manual. And I didn't read the manual even at that point. Instead, what I was like, what I thought to myself is, well, you probably shouldn't have this running in the management account anyways. So mm. first step is let's delegate it somewhere else. So I delegated it into our little security account and magically it just came to life. So I don't know, uh, can you I run this th- in your management account? I don't know, maybe you can. not
1: I think probably it's an, did you change the org settings? I wonder if that's what it was.
0: No, I had, cause in the, in the management account, I was very careful. Mm-hmm. Because first I didn't want to pay because there's the free version and then the, let's call it the non-free version. And I was like, okay, I I don't want to pay for this. I just want to know how many addresses I have. So I was very careful there. And I remember seeing this, the the option that said, paraphrasing, but do you want to turn this on for this account or the org? And I specifically said org, but I Hmm. did notice that after I turned it on, it said it had like a little you know, the, the blue bar across the top that said, we've detected you're in the management account again, probably five minutes in the documentation, or maybe I could have asked Q. You could have, could have asked probably Q. Told you. Yeah. Or given me some crazy answer that made no sense whatsoever. Kind of somewhere that, in that between. That's not so possible. Be best, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but regardless, as soon as I delegated the administration of it to a, a member account, it came to life in five minutes.
1: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Must be something in the delegation process then, whether maybe it maybe. did toggle a setting or something like that. Yeah, I'm maybe. I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. So we, uh, do you want to guess across all of our accounts? It's like guess the number of jelly all beans. Of guess the number of uh, public IPv4 addresses we have.
1: I don't think, wouldn't think too many. Like uh, maybe 10.
0: Oh, man. You won both showcases. 12. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I actually thought that when I turned it on, I, w- I was gonna have that holy shit moment. Like, what? Where yeah. are all these IPs? And uh, I came back later, and I'm like, oh, well, okay, that's not that bad. It's not gonna break the bank. There's some cleanup to do. Wow. There's there's a few yeah. uh, straggling Elastic IPs that must have been added to a project and then not cleaned up. But we were paying for those already, so that's you know they're just sitting there. Um, Forty two. Yeah. yeah, you're right, Kevin. Forty two. That's the answer for everything. I um, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I was actually kind of surprised. So I got a little bit of cleanup to do. Okay. But,
1: yeah. yeah. No, it's good. It's a great it that they give that service, that they allow you to use that service on the free tier. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You need to be able to inventory those since they started building for it. So.
0: Yeah, you would think. And I tried it. You and I were talking earlier in the week. I tried it yeah. in the Cost Explorer and... Okay, mm. uh you helped me figure out the charge types, yeah, or cool. usage types, whatever yeah. the things you had to find, heights. right? But still I was like okay, uh, the 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 free tier IPAM manager was simple, like just said hey this is what you have. I'm looking at 12,000 hours of public ipv4 usage and i'm like well what's that mean
1: what does that mean yeah like do i owe
0: (laughs) twelve thousand dollars i don't know what this means so uh, i thought the i thought the ip manager or ipam was way better this would be i would say something that you should just turn on now the free tier version. i think so yeah yeah so there's that one i thought that was not necessarily that we're uh you know saying anything bad about calgary but it was more just this sort of jogged my memory about the importance of that um, knowing your Yeah, and like you said, we're
1: gonna yeah. see so many more news items come out for Calgary <laughs> yeah. in the next little while. Uh,
0: yeah, I th- I think there were at least a couple more this week that I saw that said this is available in Calgary, and I'm like, well, of course it is. Yeah. So yeah, see lots of those announcements. Uh What do we got next here? Oh, here we go. This is the mm. this is the news announcement for generating your CloudFormation templates from existing ones. So we've already talked about. Oh, this. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and look at the. Oh, look at this. You can now generate templates for over 500 resource types. So cool. I guess it doesn't support, I don't know how many resources exist, resource types exist. Maybe it doesn't support everything at this point, which would I guess also make sense, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they'll update that as we go, but yeah, yeah well, it's no probably different your most than, common.
0: Yeah, the things that everybody, it's no different than um, CloudFormation just has always not supported everything. So you had to create custom resources. Yeah.
1: yeah, some things you can't do in CFM. So obviously yeah. you won't yeah. be able to generate a template for, yeah. but your EC2 instances, your S3 buckets. You'll capture those, no problem, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, the stuff that everybody probably has in their accounts, right?
1: Now, does it tie the resource to, does it create a stack and confirmation for the existing resources? Like, does it tie it directly, or does it just generate templates for The the, yeah. I don't know. I wonder. Another thing to test.
0: Yeah. Like, looking at this, I scroll down, specify the stack. Here's your stack name. Maybe it, maybe it, it-
1: looks like, I guess it must then if you, Yeah. if you have to build a stack. Yeah.
0: I think what we should do is maybe, maybe one day next week, we can just do an ad hoc uh, little walkthrough of this yeah. and create something, VPC with a few things in it, and uh, just walk through it to see it actually work. Yep, yeah. sounds like a plan. Yeah. We'll just add to the to-do list, right? Yep. So there's that one. Um, yeah, and I don't know. Okay. So transfer family, the mm. most expensive uh, SFTP server that you will ever run. Um, <laughs> but what what caught my eye on this one was just the fact that it now publishes events to EventBridge. So oh, good. Yeah, I thought you know I'm thinking about uh, what are the opportunities here for us to build event-driven applications off of activities that are happening on either your SFTP, FTPS, or FTP server. Uh, Might be some Mm. use cases here, maybe start workflows or something like that. So it kind of just caught my eye as uh, potential. And I know we do have a few customers that are using this, I think uh, they're not doing anything super advanced with them, but the idea of being able to extend that into some sort of event-driven solution could be valuable, I think, to probably a lot of folks.
1: Oh, for sure, and you could probably automate, you know, turning on and off, maybe or moving files. Yeah, kicking off workflows like you're like you're saying yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah, I think there's probably some benefit. Just event driven in general, I think, is really interesting. It's always kind of something that has uh, grabbed my attention. So anytime I see an announcement that talks about EventBridge, I'm immediately mm-hmm. like, "Ooh, what can you do?" <laughs> <laughs> I think it comes from my, uh, I think it comes from my, my time, uh, pre AWS days, uh, just doing systems management. The idea was, yep. was always like, how do I take some action without having to wake some poor person up at two o'clock in the morning? Um, right. Just because that's the easiest thing to do. Like, could we, could we take an action before having to wake that person up and only wake them up if the action fails, right? So whenever I see these kind right. of event bridge things, I'm, I'm always excited to see what's possible. So it's that's another opportunity one. for automation. Yeah, yeah. And here's another one of those, we've, we've seen these in the past. Uh, this is kind of like, um, I think most people might look at this and go, eh, whatever, and just keep going. But to have the ability to push larger messages through SQS with a hmm. Python, application now up until my recollection is up until this point you could only do this in Java the maximum message size was 256 kilobytes for everything but Java and only if you had the extended client support for Java and then you could see here it could go up to two gigs but now it's also supported by Python so again event driven right like if you're I've I can't I can't. I don't know. L- let me ask you this question: Could you think of a situation mm-hmm. in sort of? I know we don't have a, a ton of projects with SQS here, but thinking about, have you ever come into a situation where the two hundred and fifty-six, the the old two hundred fifty-six kilobit limit on a yeah. Python function or something like that? You did you ever run into problems with that? You ever hit a limitation.
1: So yeah if you're processing larger documents Mm -hmm. uh that can be an issue like maybe you have some pipeline for um or something like that and you want to pass that in as a message maybe but what this lets you what this is probably for and what this lets you do is orchestrate bigger message pipelines for like ml jobs or Mm. document processing that kind of thing so i bet you that's what this is for especially if it says it's for python yeah that's most likely why they did this
0: like for be, machine learning type workloads?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And what would be, okay, again, putting you on the spot here, what would be the benefit of being able to include those documents in the message itself rather than leaving the message, let's say in S, uh, the data in S3 and in in the uh, message, just leaving the pointer saying, hey, this is, this is the key. This is the unique identifier for that large object that's sitting over in this S3 bucket. Yeah. Any idea, like any thoughts there?
1: Fewer API calls. You don't have to make a call out to S3. You have the data and the message. You just have to consume that. Okay. Um, so that's one. So if I guess if latency is an issue with that, then that might be a reason.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've only ever run into this a single time. And it was for mm. a super important mission critical application that if it was ever down, my life was over. And it was the hockey okay. pool. <laughs> I And you know what? Gotcha. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. It, it, it was a nightmare. Like, oh, man. like, if 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 those stats weren't updated, even though we told people like repeatedly that the stats were only updated once a day at roughly yeah. 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, and then it would happen again when we got the next stat file the following 2 a.m. in the morning... <laughs> on just absolute mayhem right like like <laughs> like crazy angry people um so the, what had the the solution for that was you leave the giant large stat file uh which got yep. bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the year right you left that in S3 yep. and uh what we would do is we would do all the processing uh a message would come through SQS And at that time, it it wasn't even Lambda-based, it was an EC2-based Python script that uh, we stood up the EC2 instances when we we needed them, and we would uh, run a a get item, a get Mm -hmm. object call off of the S3 bucket, pull the giant stat file down, process it, and dump it into, believe it or not, a relational database. The horrors again, right? Who uses Who uses relational database? It's tech
1: that works, right? Oh,
0: it worked, yeah, it worked. But yeah, I, th- those were the those were the worst users ever. And what made it even worse was they were all my friends that I've known for like twenty years, and yeah. I get like I yeah. get like angry text messages about the stats calculation, and like, and I don't mean even like slightly angry. I mean like fear for your life, anger kind of stuff. And you're like, that's, guys, that's it's a, a hockey pool, man, chill. <laughs>
1: I thought for sure you were going to say something about the stock exchange.
0: Nope <laughs> that that was a cakewalk compared it's, to this. Compared to the hockey oh, yeah. Pool. oh yeah, oh yeah, man, yeah, well, we have to shut down the market. <laughs> hockey pool stats. <laughs> yeah, you're in, you're in deep shit for that one. So, anyways, All I thought know? this was neat. It just captured my attention. I like Sqs. I think from a again, like a if you're thinking about event driven and programming, you're thinking about yeah. serverless applications. This thing is just—it's super cheap. It's easy to use, right? Like, think about the types of API calls you you make: put message, yeah. get message, like,
1: get message, uh, much, yeah. you know,
0: empty the queue, kind of thing. Like, they're not—they're not challenging things to to figure out for the logic of your application. And it just—it just works. Like, it just does what you want it to do, and it's going to cost yeah. you like a buck for how many millions of messages that you could push through it. And it scales, so. Kind of like, yeah. Kind of like a, a workhorse that people. I think overlook the value of it a lot of times. All right, yeah. what do we got? Another next? application
1: I just thought of is like if you need to check a specific frame of the uh, animation or something if you're processing things like that, doing
0: rendering. Oh, so, so you could push the frame data in the event rather than leaving it in the bucket and having to go get it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah
1: that might be another use case they thought of for this
0: yeah i um i put this one in here uh alb announces one kill one click WAF integration just because Hmm. i was kind of thinking i could use it to just say if you have a public facing load balancer whether it's uh well, uh, let, me, let me say it this way. If you have a public facing load balancer, whether you're implementing WAF with one click or something fancy like a CloudFormation script or through the management console, ah, you should have a yep. WAF, right? <laughs> uh, yep. You should just put that extra layer of protection in front of your core infrastructure. And this here just yep. makes it easier to do. So uh, easy button on getting your, your WAF integration. Up and running doesn't mean that you're uh, gonna have a lot of fun on the on the rules still but yeah the rules are what take the the effort right um and uh but just making sure that that WAF is there in the first place i think is is super important how many times do we review aws accounts for people and there there's a whole bunch of public facing resources uh sometimes they're not even load balancers they are other things sitting there with public ips on them and there's no WAFs yep. in front of any of it so Easy. It can get missed, yeah. Something yeah, that can it's get easy missed to overlook, pretty easily. Right. Easy to go overlook. So. so I have a WAF Stop story. That. I have a WAF story, oh, yeah. which I'm gonna save until we get to our events uh at the end here and sort of uh okay. shameless plugs that we'll end everything with. But I'll save the story till the end. So there you go. Uh get your WAF running easily with your load balancer. And you had an article. Uh this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um Walk us through this. What, what What is this telling us about?
1: Okay. So, yeah. So this article is about prompt engineering, another in our fun segments about AI. Yeah. Uh, but basically talking about the process, best practices to go through to get the right information out of your AI models, specifically large language models. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So there's a couple of techniques you can use. And this guy or this person goes through them pretty... Thoroughly. Yeah. yeah. So it starts off with kind of you feed it, you need to, if you just give it a prompt and tell a model to do a thing, it Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily give you the best results. They like to add extra context and fill out um, the data you give them. So what you can do is you can give it a, you give it context. So you tell it what you, what the situation around what you need to do is, and then you give it, uh, kind of a framework to work through and mm-hmm. then you give it the actual text you want it to work on or do a task with that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, if you scroll down here, I think you they break it down.
0: I, I got, I stopped at the, uh, what is prompt engineering section? Uh, oh, okay. Just because I, I'm, I'm experiencing this myself more and more uh-huh. like the importance of to your, your comment about like setting the, appropriate context and providing yeah. enough information about what it is that you actually want is is like is crazy important like i had uh, the other day i'm using chat gpt for something and i i, I was really frustrated i, I wasn't it wasn't mm. giving me what i wanted but as i thought about it a little more i'm like that's because you're asking stupid questions Like (laughs) it's, if you, if you reread your question, it's actually, it's not reading your mind, right? You're not, you're not framing your question correctly. Therefore it's telling you, it's giving you what What you you asked asked it for. So think about the prompt, right? Like the context, the situation, uh, really important. So this grabbed my, my attention, this section of the article, just because it was Relevant for me and some of the challenges that I may have uh, was having this this week trying to get some info out of ChatGPT and it just wasn't having it.
1: Yeah, the difference in quality you can get on responses between just like just asking a question and then applying some of these techniques is is quite large. So yeah. it's definitely worth learning if you're working with these models at all. So <laughs> it was kind of funny that there's a post in here or that line about salaries reaching 300k for prompt engineering, but we'll see how long that lasts for Uh, yeah Uh,
0: does that mean I can just get the ML cert and make 300 grand I guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah I find I don't know yeah I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go down that path I, 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 (laughs) I, I yeah Anyways, so let's just ignore that part. I would suspect that you're probably not going to make 300 grand a year uh, being a prompt engineer, but what do I know? Uh, Maybe you can, to your point, maybe you can right now until everybody decides they want to be a prompt engineer, and then that's the end of that fun, right? I I don't know. I don't get it. But anyways, I I like this uh, on on your, I don't know if you're following along on your side or not, but I'm in the elements of prompt section in the article. And Mm -hmm. uh, they, they do a good job. Kevin said, there goes my career goal. Um, (laughs) uh, They do an interesting job of instructions, context, sort of laying out examples of sort of how like that prompt might look like. So I thought that's kind of neat.
1: Yeah, that is quite good. Yeah, this is what I was talking about with the breakdown. If you scroll down here the, yeah, you give it the instructions you want it to do, the context yeah. around those instructions, and then the actual input you want it to work off of, mm. and then it can actually give you a proper response. Yeah. So, say so you wanted to edit some text or suggest some things about the text, you tell it, it kind of you kind of tell it who it is, how it's operating, like, do you want it to operate as a data scientist, do you want it to operate as like a, a journal, right, like a an author or something like that, yeah. uh, an editor, and then yeah. you give it the context, and that vastly improves results.
0: Yeah. You know, this is really interesting. I like the way they've they've broken this down into the three distinct things, like instruction, context, user uh, input, and then you get the response. Because one of the things that I was trying to do, and it's I found it, maybe again, it's just the, the way I'm thinking about it, but I was saying like, you know, I want you to be, well, in this example, a data scientist. And I was trying to put it all like, in a single sentence but this idea of yeah. kind of breaking it down it, it i think it would be way easier to think about it in your own head like that rather than trying to you know acting as a di- di- data scientist uh consider this and want you to do that like trying to articulate that all in yeah you can in one line or one sentence or whatever would be tough right
1: break it into chunks and then if you if it has the instructions to operate a certain way that might you could persist that through the the whole chat you're having with it right
0: and this this reminds me we're off topic at this point not off topic but I'm going to drag us off topic this reminds me a lot of a conversation that you and I were having Uh, Earlier in the week, when I stumbled across that, I can't remember the name of the product. And you said there's there's a bunch of these now where you can actually create multiple agents working together. So you say this agent is the salesperson, this agent is the marketing person, uh, and I want uh, you to scrape this web page. And you've got a crawler over here, and I want you to work together. And you've got an editor, and you're gonna work all together. And this is the output that I want. I like I was like what and i watched this whole youtube i actually sat and believe it or not watched a a probably 90 minute youtube video the whole thing beginning (laughs) to end i was that person when you look in your youtube stats where you see like everybody drop off after a minute and then the the line is as close to zero as you can get i was that person like that watched the end screen and i i there were multiple times when i was watching this thing and i was just like Holy, ha- like, this is insane. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what else to say other than insane. I think I think that it's going to be really interesting over the next year or two how all this stuff comes together. Maybe even shorter oh, yeah. than that. I don't know.
1: It's coming. It's happening so fast, right? And GPT-5 is going to roll out probably next fall, somewhere around there. People yeah. are predicting. Uh, Google just released their next-gen model, right? Yeah. Gemini. Yeah. I think it's called. Um, so yeah, people are going to be playing around with that and all the open source models are getting really good too. So
0: I was actually poking around with Gemini, uh, today, actually. Uh, I got a, I got a, an email from, from Google. Like we run everything through Google all our email and everything. And they're like, Hey, did you know you can add this to your package? Um, so you can get it in a bunch of the, the office parts of Google, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, docs and sheets and stuff like that and then oh yeah. uh, what really grabbed my interest was more on the what does it do for google meet like does it do mm. transcription and all that kind of stuff i only had a quick look at it i don't know if it's there yet but uh it'll be interesting to see how all this stuff plays out i think the biggest challenge people are going to have is like which tool do you use or which tools yeah. do you end up with? Like, how are you going to pick, right? Like
1: which tool will win. That is the question. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which is- yeah.
0: Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how it plays out. All right. So I think that's all of our announcements our news. Uh, yeah. Stuff. And then I thought uh, a couple things came across uh, that, I, that I thought were, were interesting. Um, this is perfect. Okay. So you could go to awesome day. Next week, Thursday, February fifteenth, uh, is this? Oh no, you're gonna have a problem. So you can go to Awesome Day from twelve. If you're thinking, I'm thinking Eastern Time Zone, right? So this runs from twelve to four Eastern. Four hours of uh, virtual training. Um, I've sat through one of these. They are intro level things, but uh, if you're just getting started, this is really great stuff, and it's free. The problem is, you're gonna have to pick here. So, Thursday, February 15th, 12 to 4 Eastern. Uh, I made a mistake, obviously, scheduling. But on Thursday, February 15th at 1 p.m., we are also, shameless plug, doing an intro to uh, IAM. So, Mm. uh, 1, 200 level, sort of, here are the main components of IAM. So, here's what I think you should do. Go to the awesome day, if you're getting started, from 12 to 1 then come hang out with us from one till two and then you can go back to the awesome day that's my that's my that's my suggestion for thursday february 15th sounds awesome yeah there you go so i i just i like i said i've done one of these in the past if you're just getting started it's a fantastic way to get sort of essential information to help you kind of well start your learning journey on aws so that grabbed my attention and then Again, because we talk so much about this, uh, there is a AWS Gen AI week next week, right. 12th to the 16th. Uh, I know you've registered for this already. I right? have, yeah. I've registered for it, and it's completely uh, messed my whole calendar up for next week. <laughs> but yep. uh, uh, there was there's some really, I think, interesting learning opportunities here.
1: Yeah, they're doing one a day all next week,
0: right? Yeah. I think it's one a day. Next yeah. Time. I think there's yep. like, yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I think I said, I'll go to all of them. I don't know if that's actually going to be possible looking at my we'll calendar, yeah. but uh, <laughs> I, I registered for all of them. We'll see uh, how well that works out. So that's, this, this cool. is kind of good too. Yeah. So a couple events yeah. add to your, your uh, to-do list, your learning list for, for next week. Uh, awesome. And then my, my story to end. What was my story yes. now? I forget. Yeah. WAF story? Oh, WAF story. Thank you. So <laughs> last Tuesday, I yeah. uh, we did our our let's build Twitch stream, and I okay. decided that we were gonna write. Uh, it's not supported in CloudFormation right now, uh, but uh, wrote a whole bunch of bottle. Well, a whole bunch. A one giant bottle script for the time being to set up a Amazon Q for Business Gen AI assistant. And okay. we got most of it done. And then yeah. I actually used the console to just set up uh, a data collector. So there's it supports a surprisingly large number of data collectors. I, I, I was kind of shocked. And um, what we did, I think, right at the end of the stream, I pointed it at our website. I figured okay. that it would be the easiest data collector to set up. Because uh, it supports things like, I, I I can see lots of opportunity here. You can tie it to JIRA. You can tie it to Slack. So kind That'd of nice. the tools that we're using all the time. I think it'd be interesting to connect it to those things and just see what, what we could then start asking this assistant. But anyways, pointed at uh, Curious Orbit. And uh, it took a little while and it got one document in the index. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know our website isn't big. But I know there's more than one doc there, okay? So, at first, I was like... At least three. Yeah, there's at least three. There's at least three. There's the main page, and there's um, the page about... uh, I don't know. I was trying to think of a joke, and that totally bombed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, there's at least three. And I'm like, well, what the heck? So, of course, instead of, you know, keeping it simple, I... blow the, the, uh, the assistant away. I'm like, well, maybe there's something wrong in the code. I try it again. I let the indexer run. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And all of a sudden my brain's like, there's a WAF sitting there. We have a laugh. Yeah. We have a laugh. So I jump into the account and, um, I didn't do a lot of research. I kind of, I kind of took the easy path. So we've got, uh, to test it. I've got the bot control. Feature enabled Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, hmm, I bet you that's the issue. And the other thing that I noticed the other day is I was trying Chat GPT out and I told it to go off to our website and it's like, yeah, go away. It was like, sorry, I can't do that right mm. now. So I'm like, okay. hmm. So I go into the WAF, I turn off bot control and I try it again. Mystery solved. It, yep. it it didn't index everything so I'm not out of the woods yet, but we went from one page to 23 and I didn't check today I meant to look and uh see if it had gathered up anything new but yeah we have more than 23 pages there so something still isn't right but it works so I went into the little preview and I'm like, tell me about curious orbit and it spit out a really great description. Of what Curious Orbit is, oh, wow. consulting company. It it pulled out our main services. It described the oh, main I services. Care. I was like, what? And I'm like, how? This is like it's like sorcery. I'm like, how is it doing this? <laughs> and really cool thing is it it gave uh, it, it gave it uh, gave references to all of yep. where it was pulling the data, so you could follow the source okay. info. Pretty so it cool. Knows where all the
1: pages are. Yeah.
0: yeah so you can actually like open up there's it gives you like little footnotes um we'll do we'll we'll try to work on it a little more on Tuesday again but um we've got uh, you get the footnotes in the actual response and then at the bottom there's a little window a little drop down that you can click and it'll show you all the sources in one spot and you can just click them and cool. it drives you off to your website so we got to figure out the the WAF part um I think obviously there's something in there that's blocking It it looks like Q business and also chat GPT, but I bet you we could put a filter in there. So I'm going to enable some additional logging and see if I can hunt it down and and figure it out. But there's my WAP story.
1: Well, it's good to know it's working.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, huh, this is really strange. What am I missing? And, you know, like I said, I did all the hard stuff instead of looking for the easy thing. Right. And, uh, but anyway, so yeah, mystery solved. I don't know why it only grabbed 23 pages. Um, And and the one thing that I have noticed, I realize it's in preview, it it doesn't Mm. give you a lot of information. It writes to CloudWatch Logs, but really all it's saying in CloudWatch Logs is, yeah, I I scraped these pages and I loaded them into the index, but it's not really, unless I'm missing it, it it didn't really help me try to figure out why, like, I don't actually know how many pages are on the website. There's got to be a couple hundred. At least right, yeah. I would think at this with point. The alone, yeah. yeah, so there's gotta be a couple hundred pages. So why am I only getting twenty-three of them? So a little more investigation. I'm sure it's user error and probably are a little RTFM work to do, but uh pretty slick. Pretty slick. I can cool. imagine like what you could build with this thing over time. Yeah. Um yeah, pretty neat. So there's my WAF story and a little more, more gen AI talk. Awesome. Awesome. So uh let's call it there uh one more shameless plug thursday we're doing our iam intro to iam talk uh t- next tuesday 7 p.m eastern we'll be back at it with the amazon queue for business gen ai work see if we can finish that thing up um so until then folks enjoy yourself enjoy your weekends and we'll see you next week yeah see bye you next for time. now